oh my goodness, you can put a beard on them and it like uh -huh. follows their face. Oh, you, isn't that awesome? <laughs> you can, you can, I'm hiding from it. At least on my monitor, it looks like oh, I'm hiding. Oh, you can see it too. Uh, how do I get rid of it? It's actually really distracting. I didn't know you guys would see that. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have AJ O'Neill. We have AJ O'Neill on mute. We have Jameson Dance. We have Joe Eames. Oh, there you go. Hi, everybody. Uh, we have Tim Caswell. Hello. Um, we also have a special guest. That's uh, Tim Disney. Hi. AJ, did you figure out your mute issues? That would be a no. Uh, I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and uh, this week we're going to be talking about Sweet JS. Um, before we get started, there is one thing I want to announce really quickly, and that is that. Uh, we have scheduled a book club episode for uh, January 10th, and that's going to be with David Herman, who wrote Effective JavaScript. So it's a pretty slim book, um, should be easy to get through, but uh, yeah, if you want to follow along with that discussion, then by all means join in. All right, so let's talk about SweetJS. Has Wait, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I went and looked at it. I fiddled with it a little bit. I didn't have enough time to really get into it the way that I wanted to. It looks really cool, though. What what kind of gave you the idea of doing something like macros for JavaScript, Tim? Um, well, uh, I guess it's just something I've sort of wanted for JavaScript for a while. Um, but the same sort of main sort of impetus, I guess, was uh, I was uh, interning at Mozilla Research this past summer. Um, and uh, Dave Herman, who has worked on macros in the past, um, basically said he thought that it was sort of finally possible to do for JavaScript, um, and uh, that was, so that was a possible sort of intern project for the summer, um, and so uh, that's what got it started. So can you, can you back up and talk about what macros are? Because I'm sure there are lots of people that don't know, and lots of people that hear macros and think, like, C preprocessor macros. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, C... C style macros are sort of the um, yeah they're sort of painful and sort of limited. The the macros that uh, uh, that SweetJS implements um, are much more in line with sort of scheme style macros. So what this means is um, basically allows you to do syntactic transformations on your on your uh, source code. So basically you can build sort of lightweight uh, language extensions into your language. It's a basic idea, I guess. So is this not something that you could just do by writing functions that extend things in the same way? Right, exactly. So the, the idea of macros are to, are to do the sort of static things that only can happen at, a, at compile time and not do the sort of dynamic sort of abstraction that you do with, with uh, just normal functions. I'm, I'm not sure I still compl uh, I completely follow what the difference is. Do you want to explain a little bit more? Maybe like an example. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, one thing you might want to do is like add classes to the language, uh, to JavaScript. Right. So that's that's sort of a sort of um, syntactic sort of thing. So like uh, CoffeeScript, for example, has sort of class 
syntax for it, and it sort of compiles down to just using you know normal prototypes and whatnot um, in in JavaScript, You're just hooking things up. Um, but you know you can actually write class and then constructor and then all your different methods, and so you can write a uh, a macro that does just that, adds in sort of class syntax. Um, that then gets compiled down to just uh, you know functions and hooking up prototypes and doing that whole thing. So it's like build your own coffee script. Build your exactly yeah it's exactly it's it's build your own coffee script um, and it allows you so whereas with like coffee script you have to sort of buy into all of coffee script right you have to have this one compiler that just does coffee script and all of your code has to be written in coffee script so the the hope with macros is that you can write sort of individual pieces that you want and then compose them. So a bunch of different people can say, you know, make a class macro or, you know, make a var destructuring macro and then they work together and you don't have to have just one compiler that does just like CoffeeScript. Yeah, one thing, that cool. I, one thing that I really like about the approach is that it can really, really clean up your code um, because effectively you just have one representation for the structure that you need there and you just create it with a macro and, and make it work. Yeah, exactly. So how how powerful is the parser this thing uses? Like, I wrote the initial parser for CoffeeScript using JSON, and that language is insanely context-sensitive. Like, could you actually do CoffeeScript as it exists today using this, or is it not strong enough? So uh, probably at the moment, uh, we can't. Um, we're going to get more powerful uh, eventually. There's a few things that we need to sort of add. But it's not, it's never going to quite give you this, the same sort of power as just using a full-on grammar, right, a bison and all of that. Um, and that's not what it's trying to do. It's trying to say, here's the sort of, the basic sort of things that you want to be able to do in a nice sort of abstraction sort of way. So at the moment, what that means is you sort of have to have the macro name that comes, so in your sort of macro invocation syntax, you have to have a macro name followed by some number of tokens, some bits of syntax. Um, so then you can match on that uh, and then do your transformations of that. So yeah, so that's sort of the limitation at the moment. So when, when you're talking about macros, this, this isn't hooking into the same functionality that you used to define functions. This is actually, you keep saying compile. Are you relying on some, some kind of JIT compiler or something in the VM or? No, 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 no. So, so SweetJS as it exists right now is, is totally an offline compiler or transpiler whatever term you want to use there. So we're built on top of Esprima, and uh, so you, you take in your JavaScript source plus macros, the SweetJS source code, um, and then you, you pass it through SweetJS, which um, compiles out all of the macros and spits out just pure JavaScript, um, and then you, you run that. So it's a s static sort of compile time thing that happens. Are there um, so, other benefits and disadvantages to using this versus a real transpiled language like CoffeeScript or TypeScript? Yeah, so um, uh, the benefit of using something like, or the benefit of doing something in like uh, CoffeeScript or, or TypeScript is that you have more sort of low-level power of making whatever language you sort of want. The benefit, the big benefits of macros is that it's really easy to, um, to actually write your macros, add your syntactic sort of abstractions or whatever. Lots of macros you can write in like five lines of code or something like that. So, so it sort of lowers the barrier of starting to write basically new languages. And then the other thing is this composability idea, right? Whereas with CoffeeScript, you have to buy all the way into CoffeeScript. But with macros, you can sort of pull in different macros um, that are written without having to think about one another. So they just work together. 
So what's your take on TypeScript? TypeScript's a little bit easier on you than CoffeeScript. Yeah, I think uh, TypeScript is pretty cool. I haven't played around with it too much, so I can't really say too much about it. But Is it pretty easy to use macros that come from other sources and not have it like walk over stuff that you've already done? Yeah, yeah, that is that is one of the things that uh, macros work really well at is that they can can work together. So um, yeah, you don't. I don't think you have to do too much thinking uh, when you're writing your macros, and they they just work together. And what about like uh, namespacing and overwriting of macros and stuff? So what do you mean by there? So like if I write a class macro and somebody else writes a class macro and I want to use them both, but they have the same name, how do I? Ah, uh, yeah. That? So uh, so right now uh, we don't. The only way that you can share macros is just copying and pasting them into your code. But eventually, SweetJS will sort of work with, we're going to build on top of ES6 macros, uh, not macros, uh, modules. So you'll be able to share macros via modules. Um, and then that, you know, namespacing via modules will work that way. One thing that strikes me when you're talking about whether or not you can uh, share macros, um, and the only way to do it right now is to copy and paste them in, is that uh, this would be a very powerful abstraction to use for um, giving you a certain uh, language or language constructs that you wish you had, um, and then being able to share them. So is there, are, are you looking toward a way to make this so that you can just plug it into your, your global or um, into a, a set namespace so that you can then use it across the board wherever you're at? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um... So the way uh, you do it right now is you write um, a bunch of macro definitions basically at the top of your file. Um, and then all those macros are available to be used uh, across your, your code. Um, and then eventually, like I said, uh, they'll work with, um, with modules so you can share it across your entire code base. So is there any way that you could, for example, include or require sweet JS and then include or require a file full of macros? Would that work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the idea is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when I said uh, building on top of, of modules, um, at the moment it doesn't work, but we will get it working eventually. You would basically, so you would write up your, say, class macro or whatever, and then you would say um, in whatever file that you want to use it, you would say, you know, import, require, whatever, from my uh, file full of macros, the class macro, and I just want to use that here and pull mm -hmm. it in. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how to use these in, in a project without driving yourself or other people insane because I know in C projects that use lots of preprocessor macros you end up creating like your own dialect of C and things that look simple can turn out to be really complex and you have to go I mean it, it's really hard to tell what's actually going on for and especially for new people coming in do you have any strategies for for how to use macros wisely so they save you time instead of make understanding your code a lot harder yeah, the big thing is don't use macros when they're not when they're not actually needed. Uh, so don't use them um, excessively. I guess is one thing. As far as uh, I want to, I want to back up there really quickly because what you just said was I'm going to wave my hand at this. Um, you know, don't use them where they're not needed. Where where are they needed and where aren't they needed? I, I'm sure there's some yeah. gray area, but I mean, where is it that you're really going to shoot your foot off if you use them? Yeah, so you're really going to shoot your foot off uh, if you try and use them uh, where a function works better. So, it, in other words, where you don't actually need the, the nice syntax, 
So, so in, in other words, you can basically use a macro sort of like a function, doing a sort of functions job, but if there's not really a good reason to do that, um, I am sort of hand-waving here. I, I don't have a great way of saying that, but um, so. That makes sense. I, yeah. I mean, it seems like you could get um, very excited by macros and just start yes. using them everywhere. So yes. I'm uh, saying avoid that. If yeah. it's something you would just do with a function, do it with a function. Right. Yes, exactly. So, so exactly. then so then what is the difference between a function and a macro? I get that a function, you know, you you call it and it executes stuff and you have a pointer to it so you can pass it around. Um with so, a ma so, macro, it looked like it was almost setting up it was doing some kind of I'm, I'm trying to think is trying it, it was like building syntax or something. I'm not I'm not sure if that's the right term. Yeah, you yeah. Can, it kind of adds new syntax to the language. Like I'm looking at some examples and there's some there's one that adds destructuring assignment to JavaScript. So that's a thing in CoffeeScript where if you have an object, you can just pluck things out of the object and assign them to variables in, in your scope easily. And somebody just did that in a macro. Um, but it's, it's not a thing you could do with a function in JavaScript. It's, it's like new syntax. Exactly, yeah. Could you talk about the pattern matching feature? I know not all macros have this. Yeah, yeah. So the the pattern matching bit. This is um, uh, this is um, basically the way it works. Is is when you're defining your macro, you basically say, okay, so so my um, for example, we can actually use the the var destructuring example. So a, a a destructure is something that starts with say the keyword var, and then um, say is followed by I don't know if you're going to, if you're going to want to destructure um, um, an array, say for example, right? So you would say uh, open bracket, then some number of identifiers, um, then close bracket equals some expression, and so you would just write that out in your macro definition. It would be literally, you know, var open bracket some characters and then close bracket, um, and then uh, what would happen is that basically matches the syntax, and then in your sort of in your macro body transformation, you can refer to the things that you matched um, and then put them in the right sort of place in your template. So basically you're, you're pattern matching on syntax and then emitting some template with uh, the things that you matched. I'm seeing here that you have types on some of these like ident, I guess that's a JavaScript identifier. Yes. Yeah, so uh, those aren't, they're not really types, they're, 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 um, they're basically parse annotations. So the you know colon ident is saying is match me a identifier. Uh, we also have things like uh, you know uh, match me an expression, match me a statement, things like that. Um, and so what that actually uses it, it uses the um, the parser as prima parser down under the covers to um, to pull in to to actually do that sort of pattern matching on real expressions, so you don't have to basically rewrite and of an expression grammar, if that makes sense. Yeah, one of the things we were doing at Cloud9 was we had the, the AST, I think it was the Treehugger project, and people could write plugins to modify the AST, but this is a very different level. This is kind of syntax-oriented, it seems. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the things that you're matching are, are sort of pieces of grammar. So one other use that I see for this is, is something that I see a lot in Ruby, and that is domain-specific languages. Yep. Where you could actually create your own syntax for um, pulling something apart, you know, basically giving it a, a way to parse a file 
and on the other end, you effectively get executable JavaScript. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. There's there's sort of um, there's yeah. There's a couple of ways of, of using macros. One is to just give you some sort of convenient syntax, and the other is sort of going all the way to making a domain-specific language that does all kinds of crazy sorts of things that is appropriate to your specific domain. So yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, I just see stuff like that used for uh, configuration files. I use I see I've seen it used for testing. Uh, I mean, it's it's very powerful when you can do that kind of thing and just, you know, um, give it. I I see this. I expect this, and and it just builds it out. It makes it makes it all nice and pretty. Yeah, yeah. And then the nice thing is with macros is that this is much easier to um, sort of get started with that. You don't have to think about a whole grammar and things like that. You just start building out uh, um, uh, a bunch of macros. So can you talk about the the hygienic part too? Because a big part of the, the pitch is that they're hygienic macros, and I had to look on Wikipedia to see what that was, but it, it seems like a pretty cool thing. They brush yeah, their teeth yeah. and wash their hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so hygiene uh, is a term that comes out of scheme, um, and the idea is it's basically protecting your abstractions. So, for example, if you were writing, say, uh, an OR macro, and an OR macro is just something that, uh, not OR, excuse me, uh, swap, swap macro, and swap is where you're going to take two variables and then just swap them, right? Take the contents of one and put them in the other. And the way you would normally do this is you would say you'd, you'd put the value of like A into a temp. And then, you right, so you have to have three variables that you sort of move back and forth between, right? So the, what your macro does is it introduces this extra temp variable. And if you're not careful, you have to figure out what you're going to name that temp variable. And the problem is, right, if you're not careful, that, that name might clash with something else in your code. And so what hygiene is, it just says the things that you introduce with your macro uh, will not clash with other things. Any sort of identifiers of variables that you introduce with your macro will be renamed appropriately. And, uh, yeah, it turns out the algorithm's, like, really complicated and crazy because there's all these edge cases and stuff like that. Yeah, I um, can that. That is that. very hard to understand. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so we, we, we do hygiene, um, which is really important with macros because otherwise, if you don't have hygiene, uh, things sort of, um, you know, step on top of each other, especially when you have a bunch of macros that you're trying to, to have work together. Like if different people write different macros, right, you need, to, you need a mechanism under the covers that sort of makes sure that they don't step on, on one another's. Yeah, That seems really useful because, I, I mean, I keep talking about the C preprocessor. I know it's totally different, but if you just do like text replacement, then you could get all kinds of messed up results. So that's cool. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at your example here for the class macro, and I have two questions. The first one is, is that class is a reserved word in JavaScript, is it not? It is, yes. So do you get all kinds of headache and, you know, barbarian hordes coming down on you if you do that? <sighs> Um, yeah, possibly. Um, so, um, so with the class is an interesting one, um, right? So class is a reserved, a future reserved keyword or whatever, right? Because it's not used in JavaScript at the moment, but it yeah. will be in ES6. So one nice thing with, with these macros is this allows you to sort of do polyfilling of, of, you know, future syntax changes that are coming in, in new versions of the language, oh. right? So with class, right, now you have to use ES6. You have to have some environment that uses ES6. But now you could write a macro that does the same thing and serve, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, normal um, um, ES3 or 5 or whatever. 
um, in environments that need it while still writing, while still using the class syntax. So could you use this for something like the ES6 module specs that they're working on? Or no, Yeah, I don't think you can use macros to do modules. I think there's sort of technical reasons that don't allow that. Um, Turn them into AMD or something. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I suspect not, but uh, uh, yeah. Could definitely so, take a tr crack at that. But. You, you realize so, by saying that somebody's going to get on and try and prove you wrong, right? Yes. No, that would be great. A I challenge. Would love that. <laughs> so what what are the limits of it? I, I don't have a good handle on how they work, so I'm sure there are things you can't do even with macros, but, but what are those kinds of things and how, how do you identify something? So obviously you can't make any changes that will sort of happen at runtime, right? This is just static sort of changes of the syntax. Um, so if you can't imagine transforming it, like, yeah, if you can't imagine transforming it to some other sort of code, then it won't work there. Uh, so at the moment, the sort of form is limited, so you have to start with an identifier followed by some amount of, 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 of strings, if that makes sense. You can't put the name of a macro, like, in the middle of two different, uh, it, it can only match after a macro name, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, eventually, we'll try and expand that as well so that you can do sort of infix macros, stick a macro between. So you could add, so you could, um, yeah, basically add new sort of like uh, binary operators. So macros could act, act as sort of a binary operator sort of thing. So that's, that's a limitation we have now. We might be able to, to address some of that, but that's probably part of it, I guess. On, on language support, so your compiler runtime, is that a node module? Does it run in the browser as well? Yeah, so it runs uh, both in the uh, on Node and and in the browser. Um, does it use so, ES5 or does it will run on any browser? Uh, it should run in any browser, as far as I know. I haven't tested it everywhere, but I don't think we're using anything weird. Yeah, so the 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 bit in the browser we're we're using uh, AMD, so it so you can do um, AMD loaders. So you can write uh, your AMD um, your module uh, with macros. Um, and then require it from somewhere else, and it'll automatically uh, compile that down uh, in the browser, which is nice. So, That's sweet. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. The puns. Yeah, they, but they never end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, we only had one Disney joke. Um, <laughs> true. Yeah, we, we went easy on you. Yeah. So, so one other thing that I'm looking at here, I'm looking at the example of building the class. My other question was, is there a way, it looks like it's just, um, here's the constructor, and then here's a function. But I guess my question is, can you set it up so that it will accept uh, an unknown number of functions or methods on the class? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, so that, it's, if you're looking on the, the homepage, We've got. I think that one accepts any number. Yeah, it does. So if you if you see the um, the uh, dot 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 um, uh -huh. at the end there, so it, it's we're matching a bunch of method names, um, and then the dot 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 at the end says match any number of them. Oh, okay. So it's it's like star or whatever. Um, and so so yeah, so that the the macro defined right there supports any number of. Uh, of methods that you write in the class, and then it, it expands it to any of those numbers. So. Are there docs saying what all the various units you can match against are? Because I see here param is a unit, but I mean, in Elixir, that's that can be many tokens. Sorry, uh, I'm not quite following what you're asking. Right, so 
I assume it's matching against some sort of AST. It's being parsed by a Sprema, you said? Yes, yes. So how do we know that the entire body of the method is one thing, and the entire parameter list is one thing? How do we know what the units are that we match against? Do we just play with the Sprema and see what it outputs, or...? Oh, I see. You mean, so when, when we say things like colon ident or colon expert, or...? Yeah, so, so here in the class when you've got method name ident, so that's going to match one string. But then you've yes. got met, method param, which I guess is the entire parameter. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, so so if it's um, if it doesn't have a colon class name at the end, uh, then that's just going to match one token. And what we mean, and so it's not quite the same token that you might expect. So that it's going to match either things like an identifier, uh, or string. Or it'll match actually whole groups of um, delimiter matched things. So if I have, um, so with, so yeah, with that class, um, with that class example, uh, we have method param, and that's actually matching the entire begin paren every all the tokens inside close paren. So that's that sort of counts as one token. We should probably just clarify the class example is the one on just the sweetjs.org website, right? You just yes. scroll down. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what we're looking at here. Um, my question is then, in JavaScript, and I'm assuming in these macros, you can nest stuff within the curly braces. So how does that nesting work? Sorry, again, I'm not quite following. So, for example, in, in the class example, you, you have a function in, in a class or a method on a class. Um, what if you just have, like, an anonymous function inside of another anonymous function or something like that? Uh, inside of... So, so then you have you have the the overall token, and then inside of that you have stuff that could also then be be tokens. Yeah, uh, exactly. So if you're matching, so if you're talking about like matching inside of the method body, which is mm -hmm. the sort of the the curly matched stuff. Yeah, there could be um, so sort of internally to SweetJS. Uh, the way we sort of match tokens is is anything that's delimiter match might have sub delimiter matched things, so you can sort of, you build out a tree. Um, in terms of actually writing it, you don't notice that too much. Uh, you just match the, the outer sort of delimiter matched thing, but you could have any sort of nesting that you want going on there. Mm -hmm. How do you drill into that? Because I, I'm not sure I'm seeing it here. Yeah, the way you drill into it is you just, you would have to, to match it on, on, in your patterns. So if, so for example there, if you wanted to explicitly match uh, something inside of the method body, you would have to start out with uh, the the curlies, then match some stuff inside, and then okay, yeah. So, so you're giving it the syntax that you expect, and then it'll match everything according to what it sees that lines up with it. Exactly, exactly. So does that mean then you can't match the outer thing and the inner thing as two separate entities? I don't know why you would uh, need to, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want to match, yeah, you would, you would, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to match both at the same time. Okay. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't need to because you already know the tokens that you've matched, so that you can just recreate them in the macro body. Okay. Yeah, this is just really, really interesting. I'm kind of with uh, Tim on this. I'm not seeing uh, terrific documentation. I see examples, but I don't see yeah. documentation. Yes, this is this is an unfortunate truth. Uh, definitely something that uh, I need to work on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or somebody else who wants to be involved can jump in and work on it. 
Absolutely, that'd be fantastic. We would love some contributors to help help write that out. Who is we? You keep saying we when you when you talk about it. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, mostly just me at the moment. Um, <laughs> the the yeah. royal we. Yeah, yes, the royal we. We. Um, um, <laughs> His last yeah, well, name's Disney. They're famous for royalty. That it just works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. While I was an intern uh, over the summer, uh, I worked with uh, Dave Herman a little bit, and then Paul Stancifer, who is a fellow grad student. And uh, but now it's mostly uh, just me working on it in my uh, spare time. So. So what are you doing now? Just school. Yeah, school. I am a grad student. So and and where are you at? Did were you working you, with the folks in Mozilla up in is it Toronto or? Uh, no, uh, uh, in Mountain View. I uh, oh, okay. I work. I, I'm at uh, UC Santa Cruz right now. Oh, cool. So, uh, what are some of the like coolest macros you've seen people write? You you were just like, wow! I had no idea that what I built could do this. Right. Uh, one of them was uh, actually Haskell style do notation. Um, somebody wrote. I think we've got a we've got a link to it in the uh, on our SweetJS wiki. Um, we have a bunch of uh, example macros. But yeah, somebody somebody started doing you know monadic do notation type stuff, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> it's a little crazy. Yeah, I think I'm gonna make it so I can write Ruby in JavaScript. Yeah, <laughs> you and, and a I'm bunch not of serious. People. <laughs> oh, there are plenty of people working on that. Yeah, it's already solved. We have CoffeeScript. That's right. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say that. And there's, they actually did that Ruby standard library thing, too. Yeah, somebody was working on that. I don't remember what it was like called. That. A digression. Yeah. So what? what is your, uh, are you doing master's or a doctorate or what? Yeah, PhD. PhD. Yeah. And what's your doctoral, is it a thesis or a dissertation? Yeah. Yeah, thesis, dissertation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. What, what are you going to dissert on? Uh, we'll find out. Um, I'm sort of working on a thesis proposal now, uh, so I have a few years to go left. Uh, it'll be some uh, sort of PL semantic type stuff um, that I'll be doing. Um, still trying to nail down exactly what that is. But So to, to go back to the, the macros stuff in SweetJS, you've talked about it a little bit when we've just talked about specific features. But where, where do you imagine this going next? What, what will be coming? Yeah, coming in, uh, in terms of SweetJS? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the very short term, hopefully lots of bugs will be fixed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, eventually, uh, there's sort of um, one big thing that I want to get in is um, uh, a, a more imperative way of defining macros. So right now, the way you define macros is this very rule-based sort of thing. You match these sorts of things, and then you basically have this template that you emit. Yeah, it feels like a, a grammar, kind of. Yeah, well, yes, to a certain extent, yeah, uh, like a grammar. So uh, in Scheme, uh, the thing we want to do is called syntax rules. And basically the way this is, is you can actually write just normal JavaScript in your macro body that can manipulate the syntax that you just matched um, and do just use normal JavaScript or whatever to um, to manipulate it, change it or whatever, and then emit that. That so, is cool. Yeah. That yeah. would be way so that, cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the things that's uh, hopefully coming pretty soon. What did you call that? Syntax rules? Syntax rules is what uh, the scheme world knows it that's as. A, a thing I can Google and read about. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. 
So basically you just get an access to some object that has AST methods and you can do things with it. Yeah, technically they're not AST methods, right? AS, so an AST would be the, uh, the, the finalized sort of thing. The thing that you're getting is really just this uninterpreted sort of tree thing, but um, really just a bunch of tokens. Okay, so a different level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. We should really get somebody on to talk about ASTs, grammars, and stuff like that. Yeah, they're good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I could say that word. It's as far as I get. So are there any features of the macros that we haven't covered or any that you just think we haven't given enough attention to that are awesome? What is it? Um, no, I think we probably covered most of it, yeah. This looks really cool. Do you know any projects that are using this in production? Or is it uh, I don't, and I hope no one's using it in production at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's still still very early stages with lots of bugs and things. But um, yeah, I, I have big hopes for it. <laughs> cool. Nice. So are they still working on it over at Mozilla, or is it mostly you? No, it's just me. So uh, I interned at Mozilla, and all I got was this lousy project. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so are there any like um, community sites that um, have sprung up around Sweet.js that uh, are providing a lot of content in addition to the actual Sweet.js site that you really think are great and would love to point people at? Uh, so we've got, uh, we've got a mailing list, IRC channel, things like that, but uh, nothing else that's really uh, sprung up yet. Yeah, we'll put links to those things in the show notes. All right. Well, um, cool. if we've if we've covered it, then uh, we'll go ahead and get into the picks. Um, I'm going to start all the way on my left with this video thing, which is kind of cool. Um, we'll make AJ go first. All right, I'm ready for you. My pick is Google Plus Hangouts. This has been kind of cool. Haven't done this before. Yeah, it, it's That's interesting. It'll be posted too uh, as soon as I click end broadcast, so it'll be on YouTube. Wow, you can uh, get this sneak preview. Also, I'm a big fan of all algorithms that reduce uh, big O of in to big O of login. I'm going to pick all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Binary search out. for the win. Shout out to my homies. All right. Uh, Jameson, what are your picks? Mine is a movie called The Man from Earth. It's kind of a sci-fi movie. Sort of. It, it's, it's a little weird because it's, it's basically only about one character, but it's really well done. It, it's basically, yeah, it's, it's just all about this one character and, and looking at his long and varied life. And it's really cool. Um, so you should check it out. I had never heard of it before I saw it, and it was really good. So The Man from Earth. Awesome. That Joe, is it. Joe, what are your picks? All right. So um, I'm going to pick, uh, for my first pick, I want to pick a TypeScript. We actually had a demo uh, talk at the uh, Utah JavaScript users group last week, and the guy who presented gave a, gave a really good presentation, showed it, and uh, I, was, I was really impressed. I already was impressed with it before, but after seeing that, I was really super impressed. Just how nice it is. You can mix it in without committing to it, just where you want. Um, I really think, really was very, very, very pleased with what I saw with TypeScript, so I want to make TypeScript my first pick. And then uh, I went recently and saw the movie Red Dawn, and so I would like to pick the original Red Dawn and not the one that just came out. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it was on uh, Netflix, and so I watched it again and was remembered how great 
that movie was and in contrast to the new movie, how terrible the new movie is. So I want to pick the original Red Dawn, and those are my picks. It didn't get a green spot on Rotten Tomatoes for nothing. It was well earned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, what are your picks? So unless you follow me on Twitter, you might not have heard that I now am an independent consultant, and so I'm going to cheat and self-promote. So if you have any Node or JavaScript projects that you want help on, I am available to work on those. And also, I've spent the last couple weeks writing a Lua VM in JavaScript, which is really, really hard. And really awesome. I've used it. I don't know if it'll be valuable, but it's fun, and I'm learning all about hard stuff. Seems like you love the really, really hard things. That's cool. Gotta do something. <laughs> How would people contact you if they wanted to give you lots of money to help them? If you want to give me lots of money, you can email me. My email's cool. on GitHub or my website, creationx.com. Awesome. All yeah. right, Tim, what are your picks? Uh, so it sounds like you guys are actually going to talk about it in a bit, but uh, Effective JavaScript, the book, I uh, just read that uh, a few days ago, and it's fantastic, so definitely check that out. Yes, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, great book. Then I uh, also, uh, uh, there was a great talk that I don't think enough people have seen called Growing a Language. This was a long time ago, um, about, well, 98 or something like that, by uh, Guy Steele talking about how to grow a language. Um, so if you're interested in language sort of things and language design, definitely check that out. All right. I'm last, I guess. My, my first pick is a show that I've been watching with my wife. I was a little surprised at how much I liked it. It's called Downton Abbey. Um, it's a master masterpiece classic show. Um, it takes place right before and then during World War One. But uh, the thing that's really interesting to me is just um, like all of the all the historical things there, you know. So they just installed electricity in their house, and, and then they get a telephone, and you know. And so some of the things that happen there are just kind of it's it's like you know. I, I can't imagine living without these things and they have the, the really primitive versions of them and and then the the political things and the way that England worked at that time. I've really, really been enjoying it as well as the uh, personal interplay, obviously, between the characters, which is what most of the show is about. Um, my other pick, I'm going to go down the same vein as Tim and uh, do a little bit of shameless self-promotion. I am going to be putting together, in fact, I am putting together uh, a Ruby on Rails course. It's called Rails Ramp Up. You can get there at railsrampup.com. You can't get there right now, but you will when the show by the time the show airs. And you can uh, just pick and choose which sessions you want to sit in, or you can get all of the sessions. Um, the sessions are going to be a mix of instruction and live coding. So um, hopefully you'll you'll be able to understand the concepts, and then I'll be able to walk you through them, and then give you some assignments that will help you learn Ruby on Rails. So if you want to learn Ruby on Rails, I know this is a JavaScript show, uh, then go check it out at railsrampup.com. And uh, I, other than that, I just want to remind everybody that we are reading Effective JavaScript. We will be talking about it on January the 10th, unless it gets moved, because I'm going to be out of town. Um, and uh, so uh, go go check it out. Go buy it. Go read it. I think it just came out, though. So uh, um, Yeah, it was a couple of days. It was a few days ago that it got released. Yeah, so you you probably haven't seen it on store shelves or anything yet, but it's super good. Sneak preview. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of the best JavaScript books I've read. So, all right, cool. Well, uh, that's it. I guess we're done. <laughs>